welcome back to Fund Your Future with DRS. Uh, this week we're talking about analyzing your income and kind of looking at your pay stubs, which is always something good to do from, from time to time. <laughs> I think a lot of us don't um, typically look at our pay stubs until something happens <laughs> where you, you notice that your, your paycheck is maybe a little less or a little more than it used to be, or uh, your uh, marriage status changed and you're, you think, oh, I have to, I need to change my, my tax status. Um, but it's good to, to look at it every once in a while, right? Yeah, I, I think uh, especially, I know folks that I've worked with who will look at it when they work overtime or they'll work at, look at it, you know, at the end of the year because they're trying to figure out some, um, you know, total, um, they're, they're trying to preview their taxes or something like that. So they, they'll, they'll look at the pay stub and see everything that happened over the course of the year. There's a lot of uh, relevant information there, but I think a lot of it doesn't change month to month for a lot of people. Um, if you're if you're working like a salary position, then it seems pretty steady. And then y you remember, oh yeah, I got a pay raise or I, I hit a step increase after a year or however long. Yeah. Um, and you, you forget those things unless you actually go and look the actual pay stub. I know I almost only look at it to see how much vacation I'm accruing. I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know why. <laughs> it's like I'm, I'm always just curious, trying to remember, and I never, I never remember how many hours of vacation I've accrued. So <laughs> that, that's, I feel like that's the only place I can find that information. I had gotten married a couple of years ago, and so obviously that was a, a, a decision whether I wanted to. You know, it's always that question of like, are we going to file jointly or separately, and. Um, uh, yeah, and so just kind of making some of those those tax decisions, and um, so and then I was I was in there and looking at uh, some of the donations that I was making to the combined fund drive, and then realized, oh yeah, that's right. I, I, I'm still <laughs> doing that. I've been, I've been I'm doing still that. doing. I'm still making a monthly donation there. You know, it's like a five or ten dollars, but um, I was like, oh, that's right. <laughs> There's a lot of information like that, and I know we've recently, um, at least state employees have recently had a number. Uh, of different, actually, I guess maybe that really applies to all public employees having um, different uh, mandatory sort of programs that have been added on as far as, um, oh gosh, what, what's that called? Like the, the paid family medical leave, yeah. additional re reductions and things like that. Yeah. Um, features, benefits that, that we're paying for. And so our, our pay may fluctuate when you know, additional features come into play like yeah. that. I think I had this moment too last year where I was looking at it and going, gosh, maybe I want to like change my withholdings for the, the taxes at the end of the year because um, we always end up getting like a pretty good chunk of change um, towards our taxes. And I was going through my budget and kind of doing some reassessing. And I'm like, maybe I could actually put that money away towards like paying off some credit cards right now. So kind of went in and, and changed my tax withholdings so it was a little bit less. Yeah, that, that's interesting. I, I read a book a number of what was that called? Um, it's like the financial diaries or something like that. And it was talking about how it was an, a, a lot of things, but one of the things that they recognized because they were interviewing and following people for like a number of years and like all of their spending. And some people were using their refund as a forced savings mechanism, their tax refund as a, sa uh, a, a forced savings mechanism. Mm. Like if I had that extra $50 in my check, every month, I'd probably just spend it. Right. But if I let the government hold on to it and then I get it, then I'll pay off a bill at the time or something like mm -hmm. that. And it, an interesting strategy, I think, 
Um, everybody approaches that differently, but it is something that you need to think about. If you, like in, in your example, if you get a refund of a couple hundred or thousand dollars uh, every year, that's that's income that you should be making sure you're taking into consideration in your budget. Yeah, exactly. I was like, well, you know, an extra like $200 a month could actually make a big difference that I could put off put towards like credit card debt, things like that. Especially public employees who are salaried employees, we just think about our, our pay being very steady. You know, I, I get the same pay every two weeks or same pay every twice a month or, or once a month, depending on what your pay cycle is. Um, but you forget about those other sort of um, more one-off payments. Tax returns are a great one, but there, you know, all sorts of random windfalls that people might get. Or, um, you know, over we talked about working overtime, um, and then there's a lot of public employees. I think about like um, folks who work at Department of Corrections or, or folks who work um, in like Parks and Rec, where their their work is actually much more seasonal, and they're they might be getting a, a significant amount of pay in the summer or winter or certain during certain peak times um, and trying to figure out how to apply that to your budget over the course of the entire year. You were talking about uh, earlier that can be yeah, true for obviously park employees but as well as teachers. That's a huge part of being a teacher working in the public school system is having to plan for that little bit of extra time um, in the summer where you may not be making the same amount of income. Yeah, and that's, I think, uh, <laughs> I was, my, my wife works in a, in a public school system, and I joke with her often about, like, she has no idea how much she gets paid, like, because it's just a set amount every month, but it's like, there's not necessarily a correlation to, well, you only worked a week or two in December, but you still get the same amount of pay, and um, a lot of folks still have even even within the school systems, they, they work. It is they might work as a coach or a, uh, you know a, a extra assistant or pick up an extra uh, assignment. You know they might uh, volunteer or not not volunteer because they're getting paid <laughs> for it. Obviously <laughs> they're, they're getting paid for it. But things like the science fair, things like that. That yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. I I uh, ran into an old uh, high school teacher uh, last summer, and we were talking about retirement because everybody as soon as they find out that I work at DRS they want to start talking about <laughs> retirement but he he was telling me about how um, he he was the driver driver's ed teacher for the school for decades I mean he, he's, he's still the driver ed teacher but he was uh, when, when I was in school as well and so he he knows almost every student he and I always thought man that that would be a rough job like very scary I imagine but he he did it because it was putting extra money in his pocket it allowed him to go on vac bigger vacations or, or, you know, put more towards his retirement or pay off debt. Right. Um, and he was just looking for opportunities to, you know, make additional money within the environment that he was already working. And you had, like, um, a personal example, right, where you were working a contract position? Yeah, so I, I worked um, for at Central Washington University for um, a couple of years, and the, the contract was only a 10-month contract every year. So it was great. I loved, I had... July and August off every year, but my pay wasn't spread out through the year. I, I didn't get paid in July and August as well. And so I had to be really conscious of that, uh, setting money aside, saving money throughout the year so that I would have money to go on vacation in the summer when I'd had time. I wasn't just you know stuck at home. I, I could still pay my bills. Um, and I think for some people that was a real, some people 
that I worked with, it was a real challenge the first year going through that process of knowing like, oh, it's June and I, my bank account's almost empty and I'm not going to get a check for a couple of months. And, you know, you can find other opportunities possibly in the summer as well um, for, for picking up other work. And, you know, that was something I didn't take advantage of. I had all that time in, on my hands and I could have picked up another job during that time period. I, you know, that was just a play, but. Yeah, it kind of works into what we were going to talk about, which was side hustles. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think a lot of people now are looking at, at side hustles or either things on the internet. Obviously, um, things like Lyft and Uber have become a huge side hustle for people uh, to make a little bit of extra income. And uh, I think it's it's definitely worth looking into if you feel like you have a little bit of extra time or you've feel like you've cut back on your budget as much as you can and you've asked for that extra raise and you're still trying to figure out how to meet your goals, it's good to kind of consider what else you can do. Um, yeah, like I said, either online or, or in person. I heard someone talk about this once. Uh, when people are sort of analyzing their budget, um, oftentimes people just think about having a spending problem, that, 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 they're, that they're spending too much. But um, this author, uh, she was talking about Sometimes you, you have an income problem, yeah. which, which is which is tough to acknowledge. I think sometimes because your job is your job, and like like you said, you can look for opportunities for raises or promotional opportunities, um, and sometimes looking for brand new jobs or looking for additional opportunities to to increase your income is what what people have to end up doing, and that that can be tough, a, as you said. I think. The thing that's really challenging is figuring out the time piece. Like, is this sure. is this worth my time? Um, you know, to to find this other income. Maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. I think um, sometimes we don't realize, or, or we it's hard to know like how much our time is worth. Um, and and maybe that extra ten or twenty dollars is worth it if you have credit card debt and you you want to pay that down. Um, if you're in a posi position that might be a little more financially stable, maybe it doesn't feel like it is as worth it. I don't know. That, that, I think that's a, a personal decision people have to think about. You had called it, it was an, in, an income problem. Yeah. That <laughs> yeah, sometimes you look at your budget and going, oh my gosh, I've, I've cut back as much as I can, but I'm still not able to, to meet those particular goals. And sometimes, um, you know, there's, there's obviously societal factors at, at hand. Um, but yeah, I think it's just kind of good to examine and being like, okay, well, what are what are some of the things I can do? And, and side hustles are a great great way to do that. Yeah, it's it's. It, I think it's really about like what other what what are all the different le levers I can pull. Yeah. You know, I we, we talked previously about the, the the spending side of it and looking at you know opportunities to uh, lower your spending. Sometimes is also directly tied to income we we have a we have a colleague i don't know uh if you've ever talked to her about this but um she has a house and she rents out rooms in her house mm -hmm. and in some ways you could say well that's reducing your spending she's like cutting down on her mortgage that way but sure. but it's an alternative way to look at it is that she's increasing her income yeah. by, by having this rental income and so sometimes it's the same you know it, it's two sides of the same coin really yeah. And I, I think that's one thing that um, is worth thinking about, at least. Part of it is analyzing future income in terms of the bigger picture. Of course, you know, what 
our job focuses on, which is retirement. Yeah. Um, which is, you know, again, starting to think about your income for retirement and how important that is to be able to um, put some money aside now so that you have that income later on down the road. I always like to think of it, you know, as like getting yourself a, a gift for your for your future self. So I'm always thinking of like, you know, what what's going to help out future Jenny here, yeah. you know? <laughs> that's, that's funny you say it that, that way. Um, I, was, I was just reading a book about, uh, I, I read a lot of personal finance books <laughs> right now because, because of the work we do. Yeah. Um, but the, the author was talking about like giving your future self a different name and like oh. pi picturing the person like because they, they you are going to be a different person when you're older and, yeah. and thinking about like, yeah, exactly. What can I do to take care of that person? Yeah. Uh, and and how are they going to feel about the decisions I'm making right now as well? I mean, it kind of kind of goes both ways there. Um, and I think one of the reasons that it's it's good to think about both your income and your spending, not just now, but also in retirement. It helps you think about what your retirement budget is going to be and what's my retirement income going to be. Definitely. Like th those are those are pieces that help with those life transitions because we, we have another colleague who oftentimes says that, you know, it, it's it's all just a math equation. It's just, you know, income minus expenses equals your savings. And it, it, it can really be that simple, um, but you have to know each part of that equation. And I know a lot of folks are afraid of math, but it, <laughs> but it, is, it is relatively straightforward. I was reading a book recently too that was also talking about those sort of simple equations, but just because it's, it's simple, I mean, it's the same thing with like diet and exercise mm -hmm. too. Even though we know like we're supposed to eat healthy and exercise, people don't necessarily do it. So it's simple in concept, but it's another thing to actually um, take those little steps. And so um, this book that I was reading that's called The Slight Edge is about kind of doing those very small things every day, like contributing to your retirement savings yeah. or d going for a five minute walk that are gonna make a, a difference for your, for your future self and, um, and for just increase your, uh, your uh, how, how you experience life. That's a, that's a super good analogy because I think oftentimes when, and, and one of the reasons I think we both want to do this podcast is because oftentimes when people think about spending and income and budget, it, it feels restricted in the same way that talking about a diet. Like, Definitely. Like and and really, oftentimes people who are who have, who've talked about being successful with with dieting, it's it's not dieting; it's it's a lifestyle yeah. cha change or lifestyle design. More of like your your frame of reference, yeah. if you will. Yeah, yeah. What habits are you going to set up that just become part of your normal life? Whether it's yeah. you know walking ten minutes a day, or whether it's putting one percent of your salary into DCP, or what whatever yeah. those things that you can on some level automate but then they become they become things that you're um, yeah that you're doing for your future self I, I really love that I really I, I think that's a great way to think about like um, one of the things that I, I've been thinking about the conversations that we've been having having um, and something that we haven't necessarily talked about we, we kind of danced around is this sort of idea of um, deferred gratification and how 
that's really tough because it, on some level it goes back to restriction. It goes back to that diet of like self-control yeah. and, and, and not necessarily in a judgmental way. I think oftentimes with, with, with these things that we're talking about, people want to do something different mm-hmm. or, or they, 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 they know the path they want to go on and it, it's, they don't quite know how to get there or there's some sometimes derailed. You know, I, I know um, I, we, we talked a little bit about this on the spending uh, conversation as well. Like if I'm bored or angry or frustrated, I oftentimes end up spending and some right. people end up eating and, you yeah, know, th- right. th- 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 <laughs> those things can end up being, uh, you know, not what you actually want to do, but in the moment um, they, they end up being what you do. And so, the, the more you can automate and, and put those things in place that um, don't allow you to, to make those poor decisions or, or um, the poor decisions might not have as much of an impact. Yeah, like you really touched on automation and while we're looking at like, you know, income and pay stubs and um, that's like automating your savings is what a lot of um, – is, is a great tip that a lot of people talk about, which is basically you take um, the beauty of the internet and the online banking and everything now is that I, you know, I can set up a direct deposit from my checking account that takes out you know, $100, $200 and puts it over here into my savings account and it just happens automatically and it is so amazing. <laughs> no, that's... And um, yeah, you I've look gone now... Too. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, you can do that with your paycheck. Um, and uh, I just do it through my bank account. Um, but I've kind of gone, like, through the last year now, gone from just having, like, one checking account and one savings account to now having, like, like two other savings accounts um, that I've kind of put one aside for, uh, like, home improvement projects. Mm-hmm. Um, and then one just more for, like, other sort of... Um, one for like vacation and fun things, and then one as uh, an emergency savings mm-hmm. kind of account. And so I have all of my automatic deposits or whatever transfers, if you will, that go to those accounts every month. So then, it, then you don't have to think about the savings. Yeah. And it's automatically taken out of your what's your like your checking account. Um, and so it's it's just a really easy way for people to save. So when you do that. Um, do you see that initially as savings? So, like, or do you see it as spending? Like, uh, see it as future, oh, future that's spending? That's a good question. I think of it more as savings, yeah, I guess. I think that makes sense. It goes a little bit back to what we were talking about with, like, income being lumpy, but spending is also lumpy. Like, yes. like my, my spending, we, when we were talking about budgeting or, or we were talking about, like, what we spend money on, um, our savings can be inconsistent as well. Like yeah. that, that's not necessarily a bad thing yeah, yeah. Um, that, that we're, we're saving and then we're going to spend out of that savings. But I know sometimes people ask, well, I, I just like, I got my refund check or I got, you know, this windfall. What, what should I do with it? And how do I, how do I save it? You know, yeah. v- versus, versus spending. I, I've heard a lot of people who've had real good success with that sort of either multiple bank accounts or like sub accounts like once again with online banking you have these options to set up a savings account that that's just going to be my emergency savings and i'm going to fill that bucket and i'm going to put you know a couple 
hundred dollars there, a couple thousand dollars there. I'm going to get to a level, and then I'm going to move on. And, and like once that bucket is full, then, yeah. then I'll do, I'll do something else with yeah. that money. Like you could either con continue tr contributing, like you know, fifty hundred dollars a month, or you could say, okay, now that I've reached my emergency savings goal, I'm going to yeah. put this money elsewhere. We're probably getting ahead of topic. Like this is probably some, <laughs> something we're going to talk yeah, about weeks right? from now. But I, 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 it, um, it's all connected too. So yeah, totally. I mean, I guess we could kind of circle back to the like. Um, DCP is obviously a great way to save through the through the state. Mm -hmm. um, that it is, um, I don't know. We could kind of talk about some of the, the sort of tax benefits of it. That being able to to save more and um, to to put towards retirement. Because I think a lot of people think I work for the state. I'm when I retire at 65, I'm going to get up my pension and then I'll be set for life. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, one of the things we've started talking about at retirement and things like that is being able to look at, you know, DRS has this great tool online that's a benefit estimator where you can go in and even for someone like myself who's like in my mid-30s, I can go in and see kind of an estimate of what my retirement income will look like. And I, I didn't really do that before I started working here even though I worked for the state yeah. um, for a couple years before this. And it was lower than I expected it would be. Yeah. <laughs> so it was kind of that moment of like, oh shoot, I need to like, you know, I already had a Roth IRA, but it's like, okay, maybe I should actually put a little bit more into a Roth IRA or my DCP account. I, I love that tool for a number of different reasons. Um, one is ju it's just pretty straightforward. It, it, it's using all your, your own data and totally. it just is, you can pick the dates. You can pick all the dates and kind of play around with them. Um, but w when I've talked to people who are thinking about retirement, one of my favorite things to do is use that tool. What if you quit today? Mm -hmm. and, and I actually think that's a great thing for a person in their 30s or 40s to think about. What if I, what if I just stopped working in public employment? What's my pension going to be at 65? How much yeah. money can I count on from yeah. this bucket of savings that I've been doing for the last five or 10 or 15 years? What, yeah. What's that going to look like going forward? Um, my wife and I actually just recently did this. She, I'm much geekier about retirement stuff, but it was like, let, let's just look, you know, sign into your online account and see what would, what would your pension be now? What would it be if you worked another five years or 10 years? And for her, it was just a big eye-opening moment of like, I don't think I want to work more than 20 years. Like that, yeah. that that's, that's the... Beyond that, it wasn't going to have a huge impact on our pension. And it was just like, not that we make all of our decisions, though I sometimes feel like people at DRS do, we make all of our decisions based on what our pensions are going to be. But um, I, I think those are things to consider. And oftentimes, um, if you haven't used that tool, people people just don't have a way to know what is my income going to be? Yeah. Uh, what, what's, what's that new income going to be in yeah, retirement? Yeah. And maybe it, yeah, I, I think that's, like, like you said, it can be a little bit... Um, eye-opening that it's not uh, not maybe as much as you expected. Definitely. It's funny, I actually sort of over the last day or two was thinking about like I, I sort of wanted to skip this topic because I mean income is I mean, we talked about this earlier not today but uh, but previously about how income is uh, 
money in general is like a taboo subject. Yeah. But I feel like income is even more taboo. Or like <laughs> like it's like it's a big part of that taboo. Like I I talk to a lot of my friends about retirement savings and um, and investments just because of what I do and what they do. It's just a, it becomes a, a pretty common conversation but i don't think we've ever talked about how much we've made yeah like specific dollar numbers right like yeah and in some ways which is probably okay i think it is okay but it can be helpful to provide context like if somebody's talking about how much money they're investing like well yeah maybe they're making three or four times as much as you and that's like you shouldn't, you shouldn't be beating yourself up about it. Like, yes, are you still think, making percentage donations? Like, like yeah, that? I think that's a huge part of it is perspective. And luckily, they have a lot of um, tools online now. Like, I think there's this one called Glassdoor or something where you can look to see, okay, my this is my particular career. What are other people in, my, in Washington State um, or in the Western Washington making for this particular job? And good to see this, like where you're at and I think that's what can be kind of a, a downfall once people start looking into these like you know finance books and people are putting away you know X amount of dollars towards their retirement savings and you might look at your your budget and going oh well I that's that's a lot that would be like a third of my budget right, or something right. <laughs> um, but you know it's just it's just about starting small and I think just kind of making those 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 small little steps. Um, yeah, you kind of touched on percentage increase. Um, and I think that's something we we talk a lot about with the DPP account, where it's like, okay, you can go in and say, yeah, I want to contribute like $120 a month. And you can just keep it steady. Or what we l recommend to a lot of people is, hey, you can go in and say, I want to contribute 2% of my income or 3% of my income. And then when you do end up getting that pay raise, then that automatically goes into your, your DCP account. It's like the set it and forget it method. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, I, I really like this, this, that strategy of, of starting with a percentage and then also thinking about like, oh, I'm getting a 5% raise this year because I've got a promotion or I'm going up on the, the teacher pay scale or whatever. Right. Well. I'm going to get 5% raise, but I'm going to put a 2% of that into my DCP, in and, the, my DCP and then yeah. I'm going to save. And so not That's a good way to think about yeah. it. So if you're getting, yeah, a 5% raise, you're putting 2% of that more towards maybe you increase your DCP contribution from, you know, 2% to 4%, and then you just take whatever extra money to put towards, you know, vacation, home improvement projects, your kids, yeah. whatever. Yeah, it's like, it's like you were talking about earlier. It's like paying your future self that 2%. You're, you're giving your, your, your future self <laughs> that. Future self that 2%. Sometimes I, I feel like our, our as, as public employees, our, our pay raises, at least maybe I just don't realize this. I know some people are like, they know like when their anniversary date is, they know when those, those increases are happening. But because we don't get pay stubs mailed to us, we're not, you know, we're not looking at it and seeing it all the time because our our lives are so automated now. Sometimes yeah. I think we miss those opportunities. Yeah, and yeah. It, it's, you know, do you set a reminder on your calendar every year? I, I, um, I heard this technique that somebody was using where it was like every month they were increasing their DCP 1%. It was just, mm. I'm, I'm going to increase it 1% until I really 
notice it until I'm really like, okay, that's too much. I need yeah. to, I need to back off of it. And I think, yeah, those percentages, I, I like thinking about finances in general, in terms of percentages, what percentage of my salary am I paying towards my car or my house? Like, because it, it helps put that, that a little bit more in context of mm-hmm. instead of like, well, yeah, that person's, they can afford something much more expensive. Well, they have a bigger salary. They're putting a, the same percentage. I'm, I'm not necessarily falling behind, I guess. It's kind of that keeping up with the Joneses mentality yeah, trying to get, get away from that in terms of absolute dollar amount. Yeah, I think it's kind of like focusing on those goals. So I've actually started to do that now with my Roth IRA account. And so, I mean, I have a goal of I would eventually like to contribute like $500 a month, mm-hmm. but I can't afford that right now. So... You know, I started at a, a certain amount, and I, uh, from something I saw online, but it was like, you know, you can just increase it by $10 a month. Yep. And so that's what I've, you know, it does take me a little bit more t- time to, like, go into the account and change my, it's set up as a reoccurring contribution, but yeah. I have to change it from, like, you know, increase the dollar amount, $10 every month. But at the same time, it's the... That small little step that it's like, okay, I'm gonna start here and I'm gonna focus on this bigger goal by start making these small increases so that hopefully I, I won't notice it too much over time. And yeah. then kind of, yeah, like you said, sometimes you can get to that point of being like, okay, now I'm I'm really at this point, okay, maybe I need to start a side hustle if yeah. I wanna contribute more. But <laughs> I love that though because it also feels like a win. Every, yeah. every, every time it's yeah, like it's I, like okay that's the small win i'm like okay i'm proud of myself for like putting a little bit more towards my retirement savings even if it's only like ten dollars more a month yeah. but i know that like you know further down the line if i get a promotion or something i can obviously put more in when it builds those habits like yeah. we, were, we were talking about totally. earlier as well it, it it sort of helps change your your mindset from what am I going to do with this money? So I, I have a strategy. I have a plan. I have a goal that I'm trying to get to, and I'm going to like start with this little bottom stair down here and, yeah. work, and work my way up. Yeah, that's I think I I, I love the the bottom stair, the first that step on the ladder. Like yeah, yeah. Y- you have to take that first step before you can take the next one. And um, you know if you try to jump four stairs at a time, you might. Yeah, yeah, smack your face really hard and, and, and they never want to do it again. Yeah. And I, I think that's, that can be what's really tough about it. 